This is the Beyond the Studio podcast. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll have honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. If you find value in listening to these conversations, please consider leaving us a rating and a review or sharing some of your favorite episodes with your creative community. It's the easiest way to show us some love and help others find the podcast. Beyond the Studio is a fiscally sponsored project of Independent Arts and Media, I Am, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can now make contributions to the podcast by going over to our website, beyondthe.studio slash about. Just click on the button that says donate here. All donations made through IAM are tax deductible. Your support is greatly appreciated and goes directly towards sustaining the work of the podcast. If you're a fan of the podcast and want to share what you're learning beyond the studio, please consider submitting to our listener spotlight to be featured on our social media channels. It's also the best way to pitch yourself to be a guest on the show. Just follow the link in our show notes or on the contact page of our website, beyondthe.studio. And uh, thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by AstroPad Studio, the ultimate iPad app for artists. AstroPad Studio turns your iPad into a drawing tablet by mirroring your favorite Mac or PC desktop apps directly onto your iPad. You get the flexibility of your Apple Pencil combined with the power of full desktop apps like Photoshop and Illustrator. The app is packed with features to customize your workflow, such as programmable gestures, custom pressure curves and pressure smoothing, and unlimited shortcuts. AstroPad Studio is trusted by leading design agencies and animation studios around the world. Millions of artists already rely on AstroPad Studio for Mac, and now it's available for PC artists too. If you're ready to take your creative workflow to the next level, you can start your 30-day free trial of AstroPad Studio today. Visit astropad.com via the link in our show notes to get started. Plus, Beyond the Studio listeners, save 10% on your first year when you enter the promo code BEYOND, that's B-E-Y-O-N-D, BEYOND, at checkout. On today's episode of Beyond the Studio, we are excited to be speaking with Tylee Wu, a designer and stop motion artist with a passion for handmade design, playful things, and crunchy cookies. Having grown up in the farmlands of Taiwan, she draws inspiration from animals, daily objects, and toys. Her fascination and curiosity with everyday objects compel her to tell stories through stop motion, ceramics, and mixed mediums. Currently living and working in New York, Tylee received an MFA from the School of Visual Arts in New York, and her short films have been exhibited in places like Slamdance Film Festival in California, Urban Nomad Film Festival in Taiwan, International Film Festival in Hanover, Germany, and the International Leipzig Festival for Documentary and Animated Film in Germany. We're really excited to talk with Tylee for um, how interdisciplinary her work is and want to get more into some of the projects she's been working on recently. But first, Tylee, I wonder if in your own words, you could tell us a little bit more about your creative background and maybe what got you into art in the first place. Hello, everybody. And thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. And so I'm originally from Taiwan, from a countryside, little town called Taichung. And my journey 
from school, like I went to in college, I went to teacher school and actually studying education and art education. And at the time, I was very, very uh, driven by um, Miyazaki's film, especially My Neighbor Totoro. That's yes. like one of my all-time favorite. And so I wanted to learn more about animation and especially、um, like the 3D animation was at the beginning, the booming time.、Um, so I came to New York to School of Visual Art to learn more about like computer animation. And also over the course of、um, of the master degree, I discovered stop motion、uh, during my internship after graduate from school, and I was participating in a project called、um, Happy Paradise. It's kind of like a music video for for with for a rock rock record. Oh, cool! In Taiwan, actually, and directed by a director called Kaming Liu. That I met、uh, in New York, so we worked together along with many peers, and we built the sets like paper craft, and then animated in both stop motion and、um, computer animation. So that kind of gave me wonder, like, wow, this is so much fun, and I don't have to stare at the monitor all the time, but can still use computer or the technology、um, to assist me to to. Fulfill the vision, so I kind of dove into it, and gradually, yeah, more and more, yeah. And so after the internship, I freelance about a year or two, and then was lucky to find、um, in-house job with a creative director, Ryan Dong, at Charlex Studio, and that's also in New York,、um, Midtown, New York. And so over there.、Uh, He taught me so much and gave me a lot of freedom to, like, run ideas. From I was there as a designer, so we basically do all the pitch design sketches and yeah, often work with freelancer as well. So that's where I met、um, many creative、um, friends and artists from all the all the field, including three D artist and sound designer and yeah, and. Many set set designer fabricators, and then after that,、um, I went freelance again. <laughs> so it's kind of like back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's、um, since two thousand sixteen, and I've been just freelance since then until now, pretty much. Yeah.、Um, and was that internship your first? Sort of professional experience as an animator.、Um, I'm curious if you had aspirations to become an animator growing up, or if you had other ideas up until that point of what a creative career might look like. I was actually pretty lost、um, when I graduated from school, like because everybody went different direction right after school,、mm-hmm. and many of my classmates actually had internship during the. During the school years, like over the two years, yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> so、mm-hmm. I feel like, well, I kind of miss out the opportunity of hands-on、um, learning from the field. So was lucky to yeah get an internship after graduate、uh, through my friend Maki and KK. So they got me into a studio called Suspect Studio, where coming directed over there, and also Hun and Frank. So these are all like my heroes and friends. 
Yeah, and I feel the after graduate the the role for me it's kind of still searching. Yeah, like I don't really have a clear picture of what field that could fit me the best. So I feel internship is great um experience for me because there's oh that was in the design studio so they do mostly advertisement and a lot of commercial um experiences from like beauty and bank um pharmaceutical yeah and like daily car commercial or groceries so all kind of um different category and kind of get me understand what. I like better, or and what I don't, yeah. And I really don't feel I fit in well with a、uh, polished, shiny, <laughs> those type of ad- advertisement.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I also get encouragement from the creative director at the studio, um, Hun. Um, he always says like, everybody is unique, and you have your own style. You just need to find your spot.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've at. I feel that kind of inspire me, like, not to compare myself with everybody else, because、mm-hmm. everybody is unique. So we just need to find where where we feel most comfortable and we can shine best. Yeah. So that work you were doing at your initial internships,、um, would you say that it was stylistically close to the work that you're doing now, or did you feel like you were? No, you're shaking no, your head. No, no, no. It was it was、uh, majority of the the work I did over there was not exactly、mm-hmm. not exactly、um, what related to my work now, but、um, the creative director Hun is really open minded and trying to help help out the intern as well. So he he even designed programs、um, like write down. Basically, design some projects like little projects every month to help you build your portfolio in your own style.、Mm. So he is not trying to make everybody look the same, like polished, shiny thing. Yeah,、mm-hmm. and I feel that it's a big push for for me coming out from the internship and to be able to go to like apply for jobs with demo reel or websites. Yeah. That's great. It's almost、uh, sounds like an extension of that academic environment where you were still getting assignments and yeah, building、School. your voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly.、Um, yep. So from there, I, were you starting to use those personal projects to、mm-hmm. develop or to lead? You know, land you other roles? Or I'm curious how your ideas started to take shape around what you you know wanted to do next. From feeling lost or not really knowing what area of animation you wanted to pursue, to yeah, either starting to take on more personal projects or kind of identify what what types of clients or what type of work that you you did want to be doing. So when I first went freelancing, it's pretty nervous because there's no income, no stable income,、mm-hmm. and so. I went on a period of time just sending out like co-emailing portfolio resume thing. Yeah. And then I find out this doesn't work, <laughs> and uh, and the reason it doesn't work is I feel I'm also not happy about doing it too. So、mm. I just stopped, paused doing it, and start 
picking up doing my own personal project, like things that I feel I want to do, like I can、yeah. improve my portfolio and then maybe do it again. So every time I feel when I am doing my personal project and put it out there on the web on the website, and I feel that's when I start to get more projects, like more requests, and yeah, and so I just keep doing. Personal project, and instead of sending cold email,、mm. it's so funny. We're, I mean, we're only like ten minutes in, and I feel like there's already a recurring theme of like really choosing what makes you happy and choosing the work that you're excited to do, and like not trying to force yourself to do something that doesn't feel right, but really trusting your creative vision, your interest, and and what makes you excited to actually create and. Thus, resulting in better work because you you actually want to do it. Yeah, and it's so easy to like, I don't know, to accidentally go down a path where you're making work that you're not excited about, and then it kind of it it affects your whole joy about the experience. And I really appreciate that. That's like something that you're thinking about through your stages of like what's making you happy. Yeah, because I feel that if I'm not happy, it just takes forever to. Make one small thing, but if I'm happy,、yeah. I don't even need to think about it. Even just like chilling here, I was still making it and make it way better and faster. Yeah, yeah. Because your work is so interdisciplinary as an animator, I'm really interested to know how you started to, or a little bit about how your work evolved.、Um, like, how did you get into? Ceramics or creating these really you know, mixed media stop motion animations. Yeah, just wondering how you started to、uh, develop your voice as an animator through these personal or commercial projects you were doing. So about my journey with ceramics, it's actually quite funny because it all started with a little broken mug. <laughs> my that my husband accidentally knocked over, and. It, It's not really entirely broken. It just chips, but then you can use it for coffee. <laughs> yeah, and so we spent about a year to trying to replace it. And it's nothing special. Mug is yeah, it's pretty looks pretty common like a blue mug, but we couldn't find it. And and okay, occasionally um, I walk by a pottery studio in my neighborhood. I used to live in Upper East Side in New York, and there's a studio really cute. It's called、um, Earthworks NYC. It's still there. It's a very very sweet、um, neighborhood pottery studio. So I went in and see, can I take a class? And we both took a class together.、Uh, oh, that's great! But <laughs> and trying to make up for the broken mug, so we did make some cups at the end. Uh, of the of the current classes, but we didn't stop the class. We just continue rolling one semester after the semester,、mm-hmm. and that was kind of huge relief for me because、um, I was also working full time at the design studio at the time, where I started. I started the pottery classes, and so it's kind of one personal thing that I look forward to every weekend, like on Saturday, and I can just go there. Relax for a couple hours and then come home, yeah. And so, that kind of accompany me. The habits of playing with clay accompany me until now, and slowly I kind of graduate、um, putting 
the ceramic project into more like combined with my passion, like stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not always. Like, just when I find a a a fit, and then you t- you ask about the animation, like how I use it for projects. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I'm just kind of bored, or yeah, I can't <laughs> I can't be too bored. <laughs> Like when I make things or draw something, and I think about, hmm, how if this move? That could be. How could this move? Yeah, yeah. I just have the itch. <laughs> yeah, want to move it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, did you find um, as you started to put these projects out there that you were slowly starting to get requests to do similar types of work? Um, you mentioned that the proactive approach wasn't really working um but i'm curious how did some of those freelance projects start to come about often when i enjoy personal project very much that's when the requests come in Uh (laughs) yeah so i kind of have to put a pause on that so there was a project called animal alphabets i did in the year of 2016 and 17 that's when i also uh, 17 to 18 when i started uh, freelancing and during the downtime when I'm not working, then I would do my personal project and share it on social media or on my website. And friends saw that and shared about it. And I started to get like job requests. So that period, uh, that project took about a year to finish because wow. it's like on and off, wow. like, yeah, a couple of days here and then I go to work and a couple of days I come back to, to do this. Yeah, but it was really fun. So I did want to ask you because I, I, I mean, maybe this will be familiar to other animators, but I'm so curious what the timeline for your projects is, especially with something like stop motion, which seems so labor intensive. And for your work um, that involves all of these other components like ceramics in some cases, um, or like building out these sets or props in order to animate them, what, I mean, what would you say is a typical project timeline if you have one um, for some of these commercial projects in particular? Uh, is it often that you're you know, working across many months or a year or does it just vary depending on the client or the request? Yeah, pretty much depends on the uh, clients if that's a commercial project because they will have a, a designate deadline that needs to be finished and then hence, hence the footage to the editor or the compositors. So if that's a commercial project, pretty much the production team will let me know how long we have for the production. Mm. Usually like less small, small project. Um, if I am doing it by myself, they will tell me maybe a month, two months. And if that's a bigger team, then it's even breaking down even more details. Like you had this month to do fabrication on people and then this month to do mm. the fabrication on the background. Yeah. So it's pretty, oh, wow. pretty much project by project. That shorter project could be two weeks or one week. And then longer project could be like for the whole season, three, four months. Mm. Are you often getting hired then to complete an entire project start to finish or is it sometimes to fulfill a particular role within 
a larger, more collaborative project. I'm just curious to hear more about the process for getting commissioned for some of these animations. Before the pandemic, um, I often go into studio and work with um, like a team with a whole bunch of friends and artists and that everybody sort of take on one specific role, like such as a set designer, a fabricator or a production designer. Yeah. And those are super fun because you only need to focus on one small area. But then um, after the pandemic, a lot of time we work remotely and even collaborate with one um, artist together. We still mostly take on like a whole chunk or bigger portion of the whole project design. Yeah. So these two years, I did some projects that completely from design, like sketch concepts, design, storyboard to build the set and animate it on my own, including compositing. But also some project I collaborate with a, with a good friend, Brian Hem, and that we do, we do design and initial fabrication from our own studio. And then we like go in together to shoot the animation. So that is still a smaller team. Yeah, compared to big production, 20, 30 people. Yeah, so this team um, of artists, are these people you're working with regularly or are they all independent animators and you will sometimes kind of team up on freelance projects? Yeah, well, um, independent artists. So when we're not collaborating, we, we all had our own, like, projects going on or personal okay. projects yeah 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 and then when you're getting commissioned are they often coming to you as the artist and you're kind of assembling a team based on what you need or is it that they're approaching you all as like a collective of some kind depends on who like if that's a design studio usually they reach out to me as an individual like they or probably looking for a designer for the team or a, f- a fabricator or a set designer or the stop motion animator. But when it is coming from agency, usually it's more of they are looking for a collective, like looking for me to assemble my own team to do the project. And so that's, that would be the time that I reach out to my buddies, like, hey, do you have time next month? Can we do this together? <laughs> yeah. I'm so curious about the like the logistics of running a studio like this because I imagine you're creating so many objects and so many things and collecting so many materials for both you know things within the animations and for sets while also collaborating with other creatives that are are doing similar work. I guess I'm curious how you kind of manage a studio in that way and like keep things very dangerous to be a holder (laughs) yeah so i think my friend brian also um, taught me a lot about like what what not what not to keep like not to be a holder like for example we did a project uh last summer about about like hawaiian islands so we built a lot of islands because we we need all kind of different stages of the island like Mm. And so we built many at the same time. And at the end, I was kind of tempted, mm, maybe I'll keep two and then we discard three. Mm-hmm. And he said, you take it. I don't want any because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have space for it. 
<laughs> yeah. But I, so I took two initially, but eventually, yeah, have to all go to recycle because, yeah, you just have finite space and you need, you yeah. need space to make things. Yeah, I selfishly am always wondering how other object makers are are doing it because I, I recognize I can get into into you know hoarding yep. tendencies very easily because I'm like, well, I I love this material. Who knows what I could use it for? And then you know yeah. I just have boxes of it. I'm like, like it's not good exactly. to be living around these things if I'm not using them. But yeah, how to use them all? Yeah, exactly. But luckily, um, some projects, the client really liked like the props and sets. Mm-hmm. They would reach out and say, hey, if you don't mind, could we, could we keep it? If you don't mind, yeah. And I, I would say, gladly, gladly accept it. Yes, please take it. Yeah, if they liked it. But those are pretty small, like miniature size. Yeah. Yeah, true. So do you have multiple studios that you're working out of then? It looks like you have one sort of home studio, but then are you also going in um, still to work on projects on site? Uh, Currently, I do mostly uh, from home. Yeah. So I took on more uh, remote projects that I can do it, do the design and then just communicating everything through internet. Yeah. And even the shoe as well, because we could also set up like a video chat before to kick off the, the shoe. And if if a um, client is curious about what it looked like, they could come visit as well, like f- to drop in or we can set up a separate camera. They can see what's the, the shooting stage look like and what's the progress, because stop motion really take long time. And back then, the funny thing in design studio, it's, um, kind would come in and to to kick off the the animation shoot, but then they will go go out and relax a bit, and then come back at the end of the day or in the afternoon to check on the progress, and then we will have something to show because it really take a long time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're like here's the one prop that we've built in that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, when they come in, usually it's for the animation shoot day. Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll not be building, fabrication, fabricating anything. So here's yeah. the two seconds that we've shot in the <laughs> eight hours. Yeah, yeah. I'm so curious yeah. to hear more about this kind of like collaborative, like collective dynamic that you've set up. Is that something that is fairly common within the animation world or... I'm just wondering, it seems like such an interesting way of being able to maintain like an independent freelance practice, but you also have the kind of backing of this other team of talented artists that you can pull from. And like, how did you come to that, you know, group um, where these artists that you all like intentionally got together you know hey let's work in this way or like how did you you know find and get to know them yeah I'm just interested in that I feel the relationship comes pretty naturally like um, mostly our friends I met um, over the years at work and sometimes we could just run to each other on a freelance assignment and we feel like just click like buddies yeah and so when there's project on, on my friend's end, they thought about, oh, I could be helpful 
to to take on this part of the project, then even doing remotely, we can speed up the progress very fast. Because um, a lot of commercial projects really had short and tight uh, deadline. So those branching out to your buddies are super important. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel we just had this pretty good dynamic, like when he... When he or she think of something that I can help, then they they just call me, and I would do the same too. Like when the project is so big, or I feel it's it's always more fun to have a second opinion or or a buddy on the project with you, because then you feel like at least you're not alone, and it's more fun to animate together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's such a brilliant way of working too, to be able to kind of volley opportunities back and forth and to, you know, have this built-in community where you can call on when you need help with a certain project, um, not just for the, like, creative growth, but to have, um, yeah, these friendships uh, and this professional support network. Yeah. Also nice to visit each other, too. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um. I'm curious to know if you have a preference around different types of roles. Um, like, do you enjoy being that main creative director or leading a project uh, versus managing other aspects of a project? Like within that team dynamic, what 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 kind of roles do you tend to take on or are you most interested in? Mm-hmm. I feel between... Me and my buddies, like friends that I collaborate together, we all more leaning toward to do the hands-on, like the design, the art, and not so much of doing the managing or like building or like talking to emailing with clients. But that's a part of the communication that we have to get through. And yeah, I feel we're all like on the same page. We know that if this communication is good, then kind would be more relaxed and trusting us to do whatever decision we make together. Yeah, so we kind of respect that and kind of just alternate, take shift. Yeah, when it, when my partner are busy, then I do that part. And when I'm busy, then they, they do that part. So I don't think we have um, specific, like somebody is leading the project. But of course, the project is come to my friend or come to me, then that person automatically becomes the the window to, to communicate. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like why, well, we were talking before hopping on, Nicole and I both, even with this podcast, kind of take on different roles b- based on our yep. strengths. And this is really the only opportunity. I mean, I, I can collaborate in my uh, art practice, but I feel like with mm-hmm. the podcast, it's such a clear collaboration. And, and I recognize yep. like after doing it, how much communication is a big part of it. And I'll see like, uh, my husband is in a band and, you know, they're all artists. And I'll hear him talking about trying to manage things and like navigate yeah. things together. And I'm like, sometimes it kind of sounds like herding cats because everyone kind of wants to do what they want to do. But yeah. if they're able to talk it through and figure it out, they can figure out how to support each other and look out for each other. And like, even yeah. just being able to ask each other for help, like it can be so mm-hmm. hard to ask people for help. But there's, 
I don't know, it's such a, a gift within that relationship to know when to ask for help and to give them the opportunity yep. to be there for you and, and also to just divide and, and conquer with your with your strengths to, to get the project moving forward in the best way possible. Um, yeah, totally. I said, sometimes like emailing clients, I feel um, if I can like collect both of both me and my my collaborators mm -hmm. voice mm -hmm. in it then i feel mm, this is a more balanced email at least it's mm. not just coming from one side like because yeah. i might be just too angry or too too dove into <laughs> a specific thing yeah yeah so i think second opinion is really nice yeah yeah i feel like at least with the podcast amanda and i are constantly bouncing ideas back and forth and I mean, we definitely text on a daily basis, um, sometimes email, mm -hmm. but usually it's just a quick like, you know, hey, what do you think about this? Or like, you know, this person emailed us about the podcast or a sponsorship or something yeah. and like trying to get a second opinion. And um, so I feel like there's definitely a very open line of communication um, because things are just, mm -hmm. you know, happening constantly. And yeah. Yeah. Do you have any um, like specific tools that you use for that? Or does it feel, um, I mean, sometimes when collaborating with friends, it can, you know, be really informal. It's like you can just text back and forth. But I know when working with larger teams or especially in like professional settings, um, either email or using different um, like team management or project management softwares is really common um, with the kind of group dynamic that you all have as independent animators. Are you using anything for of that or is it really just um a kind of natural extension of your friendship mm, i think i'm more like traditional so i do things i like things that i can touch mm -hmm. so i still draw like a chart that this is the for example this is the 10 shot we have to finish today mm -hmm. and i draw it out on the paper and so we can cross individual when we finish oh, I love it. that yeah, I'm still like super <laughs> old-fashioned about it. Yeah. And there's a satisfa satisfaction about crossing a finished thing. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. And for the small project, if that's just me and one other collaborator, I feel talking, talking it's better than, than like emailing or anything or, or texting because mm -hmm. then you can at least see the video, the video chat or hear the voice to know better about what's the mood and what is what the other person thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. That makes a lot of sense, um, especially when you're working with a lot of different people um, or how do you manage your own kind of personal yeah. projects versus those that are more collaborative. Hey, it's Nicole, your Beyond the Studio co-host, and I want to tell you a little more about Astropad Studio. I don't know if y'all remember me talking about my large painting commission last year, but I actually used an iPad and Apple Pencil to create the digital studies for those paintings. Astropad Studio can turn your iPad into a drawing tablet by mirroring your favorite Mac or PC desktop apps directly onto your iPad. So it combines the flexibility of your Apple Pencil with the power of full desktop apps like Photoshop and Illustrator. And it's Amanda, your other Beyond the Studio co-host. 
As someone who works primarily with a large flatbed scanner and a desktop computer, being able to work from anywhere but still have the same quality of work sounds like just what my practice needs, especially now that I'm beginning to travel with work. As artists, I know we tend to ask a lot from our tools, and AstroPad Studio is engineered for the most demanding creative workflow. It guarantees low latency performance over Wi-Fi or USB cable, so you can set up your workspace on the go. As someone who really values hands-on methods with my work, having digital tools where I can replicate both my process and sense of mark making just as easily by customizing my workflow with things such as programmable gestures, custom pressure curves and pressure smoothing, and unlimited shortcuts is important. So whether you're a fine artist, illustrator, or a digital artist, AstroPad Studio is the ultimate iPad app for artists. Millions of artists already rely on AstroPad Studio for Mac, and now it's available for PC artists too. If you're ready to take your creative workflow to the next level, you can start your 30-day free trial of AstroPad Studio today. Visit astropad.com via the link in our show notes to get started. Plus, Beyond the Studio listeners save 10% on your first year when you enter the promo code BEYOND at checkout. We've been talking a lot about the kind of personal versus commercial projects that you take on. And I'm wondering, in terms of time, how would you describe the breakdown or how you're balancing between those things? Does it feel like a pretty steady stream? Or I know there are some other things that we haven't quite gotten to yet, um, like you're a teacher and um, curious just what your kind of overall time management breakdown is between the various kinds of projects and things that you do? Mm, I feel personal project is pretty um, fluid because when there's work, then of course work or teaching will have to be prioritized because those you had people waiting for you. And yeah, so in those cases, the day that I have to do um, teaching or work, then personal project will be put onto the side or do it on my downtime, like in the evening or yeah, in the morning before work starts. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty, um, constantly changing. No, Mm -hmm. no set schedule really. Yeah. And weekend is also good for like personal project too, because then it's quieter. Yeah. It's always nice to hear how other people are kind of balancing and spending their time. Um, Also, we may hear my cat purring in the background of this audio (laughs) Uh, because she's like sitting right next to the microphone. But it's always nice nice to hear how other artists are spending their time because I think it's easy to assume that other people have a set schedule and that it's like very normal to have a set schedule. But I'm learning more and more through our conversations that it's pretty normal for the day-to-day to constantly look different and for every year to look yep. different, every season to look different, for it to just be constantly changing and you're just constantly rolling with it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of learn to accept that, yeah, I can't I can control like how many times I want to put into a personal project, but when I'm not working, definitely definitely would love to do more, yeah, just spend more time to do things that make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. 
this is another like brief selfish question, but do you do you ever find yourself when you're working on a project that's like very demanding, kind of long term? Do you find yourself like thinking in the back of your mind about other projects you want to be doing, like fantasizing about yeah. your personal work? Okay, cool. <laughs> of course, of course, we all had that side, yeah, and it's common. Um, but that's also a good time to just like draw down or like take notes, yeah, and just put down the idea and for save for later, yeah. And I, I love those. At that was the moment too, because when you get really bored at work, then that's when you kick off personal idea, personal project ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about um, some of the other ways that you're spending your time. Um, I saw that you're a faculty member at SVA now. Um, are you still teaching there currently, or are you taking on other types of work in addition to your uh, freelance animation practice? I started teaching there um, when the pandemic started because we did all the classes um, remotely. And before that, I was kind of more of a guest lecturer, like occasionally dropping like, hello, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to say hi to students. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoy both both ways, um, but also running a workshop um, in 2020 that kind of made me feel really excited and happy that I can help other students as well. Yeah. Like doing learning about making animation, stop motion animation from home. Yeah. So I'm still I'm currently still a faculty member, but um more on uh one on one thesis students or like one on one student helps. Oh cool. So your entire time teaching has been remote. Yes. Um have you found that's sort of easier given the medium um, to be teaching rather than in person? Or what has that experience been like? That is kind of uh, interesting and also challenging. Because when you think about stop motion, you feel this should be a thing that you can touch. Like, Like, for example, if you build a puppet, you should be able to touch it and like demonstrate how this rig works. And... I feel a lot of those um, kind of missing from the virtual class. But then at the same time, you also give the student more room to to figure that out on their own. Because like, you can provide, like, we can all share feedbacks, including the whole class together. Like, how can you improve the puppet this way? Yeah, the rig, maybe the hands. Um, we can revise the rig like the joints. Yeah, so I think it's more room for the student to grow, but maybe take a bit longer because we are not in the same place that we can just touch it and know, oh, no, this is broken. You have to re- revise it or take another one. Yeah, so I feel it's both good and pro and cons <laughs> all at the same time, but definitely more freedom and keep everybody safe during right. the year. Yeah especially some went back to different country and in different time zones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So still, we're also super grateful that we had the technology to like coop everybody together. Yeah. 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 Well, you mentioned you had studied art education before going to SVA for graduate school to pursue animation. Um, was that something that you always 
wanted to get back into or did you see yourself incorporating teaching into your work life at some point? Not exactly. Not exactly. When I went to um, college for education, I was actually not super enjoyed teaching. That was a program designed for teaching elementary school. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, different so, uh, than college students. Yeah, I, I will basically have to teach everything, like from language, math, science, history. Oh, yeah, not just everything. art education. Not just one specific thing, okay. yeah. And so I kind of ran away because I really, I really enjoy working with kids. But then the, the school system side, those managing day-to-day thing are not my expertise. Yeah, and I I like teaching like older kids now better, as well, because then I feel if they come to the classroom, they really are interested or at least they want to learn something. And if they are not in that, their heart are not in it, then well, I can't help that. <laughs> I would just share. I just share my passion with them. Yeah. And was that something that you, um, or I guess, how did you begin teaching at SBA? You mentioned that you were doing some guest lectures or uh, like a visiting artist. Um, Did that sort of naturally lead into a more ongoing teaching role? Or was that something you were seeking out? Uh, Those are all invited by um, friends of mine from schools. So even from different schools and Friends graduated and start working in the field, even in different field. Like some do, like interface design, or some do like video video design, and some are animation. And they were wanted to branch out their students' knowledge as well. Like, well, if you don't like this specific topic, but you could also. Maybe you'll be interested to learn hands-on stop motion as well. So I feel those opportunity also come very naturally, yeah. And we invite each other like when I when I host classes, I invite other friends to come into as a guest lecture, and I feel it's really good for a student because then they can grow their knowledge and kind of expanding their brain like wow there's this feel and you can do that thing for a living yeah yeah it's so helpful to get that very real example of like oh here is a person who has a job doing this Mm -hmm. art and like it's real it's possible I don't have to subscribe to the starving artist myth I don't have to assume that like art jobs are vague and hard to understand like it's really practical and like there it is yeah exactly do you find that your experience teaching is informing your art practice or, or the way that you approach it or communicate around it? I'm always curious about teaching because it's something that, like I, I talk with Nicole about how uh, I never anticipated that when, you know, I was going to art school that like speaking about art, hosting a podcast, doing speaking panels, hosting events. I never expected that any of that would be a part of my practice. And so I think Mm. the older I get, the more we take on new things, the more I see that like my practice is not just what I thought it was. And so I'm always interested in how 
as others are expanding kind of their personal skills, their professional skills, in addition to their artistic skills, how it sort of informs them as a, a creative person overall and, and sort of how they run their personal art business, I guess. Yeah. So initially, when I um, thought about teaching in school, I feel majority it's because um, I had so many good teacher influences and so many helps growing up, even in master's degree here. And yeah, I met um, one teacher, it's a puppet, puppet maker. Um, she, her name is Josephine and she's from Spain. But I met her in New York City and she was teaching me and even become my thesis advisor. Oh, wow. And I feel thinking about that type of relationship that a teacher could change your, change your like a project or even your thinking about, yeah. about, yeah, about your life so much. And I feel I should contribute back to the next generation and yeah, even it's just so tiny, one class is still helping out, like at least share the some opinion or some knowledge about it. Yeah. Yeah. In a number of years, we'll be hearing podcast interviews or, or interviews with your students. And they'll be saying, oh, I had this teacher and they were so inspiring. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I'm curious as you've been, sorry, again, there may be cat sounds in the background of this one. Uh, I'm curious as you've been navigating the different stages of your career, both going in and out of focusing on freelance teaching, how are you kind of, I don't even know if this is like a complete question, but I guess how are you kind of thinking about your practice as you're, as you're growing and entering different stages of your career? It's kind of open I and feel, big, but. Yeah, I feel it's all new to me. Like, yeah. So I kind of just roll, learn as I roll, yeah. And things, like everybody says, like everybody's experience is so different. So I kind of just learn to accept that as well. Like, okay, and then let's, let's try it out and see if this works. And like teaching and juggling works and personal project on the side. And if this is too busy, then next semester, maybe I will cut it, cut it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so it's pretty fluid, yeah. Yeah. Um, are there other things that we haven't talked about that are taking up, you know, sections of your day or time? Or is, like, the personal commercial project balance and then teaching how you would describe what your weeks typically look like? My weeks really depends on, yeah, the, the work that I'm doing, yeah. But most of the time, I like to keep it open, not not book up myself too much with some um, commitments, so that I besides work, then I leave out some time for like go for a walk, for example, very important. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and in the evening, yeah, I also like to have some time so I can uh, watch my tutorial or yeah, like do some doodles on my own. So I try to block out some chunk of the time over the day that um, I can just focus on doing my personal work. But that's not always the doable if there's a, like, for example, a commercial project that needs to be done in two weeks, then of course those two weeks would be crazy, just commercial projects. Yeah. 
Yeah, it sounds like things really fluctuate, um, but also yeah. it seems like you're you're really carving out a lot of time for personal work and for experimentation and play, and um, I feel like that really comes through in the work that we've seen of yours. Those are super helpful though, because when clients see things on the website, even though it's a personal project, but they feel the energy about it, and they will say, oh, can we do something like this? Yeah, and we said, yes, let's do more of those <laughs> because those are things I like, yeah. So I like to update like my portfolio with like projects I like to do, like even though most of them are actually personal projects. But yeah, but personal project could be expanding to commercial too. Yeah, I feel like this also makes a case for just like showcasing and presenting the work that you want to be doing. And there's really no distinction or maybe from a client perspective, it doesn't necessarily matter whether it was for another client or commercial purpose or just something that you created in your studio, but that like level of excitement and joy really comes through in the work. So really showing the work that you are most excited about that you want to be doing Um, will start to generate other opportunities. And I feel like we've heard other artists speak to that too. Um, But it's always great to see when there is such a kind of seamless overlap between the two. Lucky. (laughs) I saw that you also um, are working with an agency. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that relationship uh, how that came about, and um, what are some of the ways that you all work together? So the agency that I'm collaborating with right now, it's called Elaw Agency, and it's based in UK. And the the team over there that I communicate with more on the regular basis are Amy, Amy and Tom. And both of them are super nice and easy to talk to. But uh, our uh, relationship started last October, so it's still pretty new. And so far, we haven't really um, collaborating on a single project together yet. Cause oh, okay. I, th- I guess because um, also my traveling, like I just went visit my family in Taiwan for uh, five weeks for Chinese New Year and just got back. So... The timing, maybe just passing, passing the project time, yeah. But I'm also pretty looking forward to like collaborating more, especially toward um, like children's book and illustration, yeah. Because I really, really draw a lot of energy from just flipping through children's book. Mm-hmm. If I, if you um find me in the bookstore, I probably would be stuck in the kids section, children's book area too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'd love to see you illustrating a children's book. Yeah. So it sounds like that relationship is pretty new. Um, is, it's still pretty new. Yeah. yeah. Is that something um, that you were also seeking out or that just kind of came about naturally? Did they reach out to you? Um, I'm curious where that originated. Yeah, they did. They did uh, reach out to me through social media, I, I think. But it was I was at the time also thinking about yeah, it would be nice to have an agency to collaborating with, especially in the field that I'm super new to, like children's book or even in the 
in the UK or Europe, um, illustration field is pretty different than in the US. Yeah, so I was pretty open to see what's, what could brought us together. Like maybe we can do some fun collaboration or campaign. Yeah, so still very excited and looking forward to what's next. Yeah, that's exciting and um, helpful to hear too what kind of informed your decision to enter into a relationship like that. Um, I'm curious, since it is very new, what are some of the things that you're hoping to get out of that or that you've maybe talked about and as far as what, uh, what role might they play, you know, as far as finding new projects? Um, have you, did you go to them with, you know, here are some of my goals or things that I'm looking for? Um, just what that conversation was. So, mm-hmm. so in our signing phase, we did um, communicate like um, what's the field that I am interested about. Like for example, animals and yeah, like kids, and especially for those no words, no words book. Like basically just picture book and no words, and play play thing like uh, design games and stuff. Yeah. So we did communicate on specific category that we will be interested and looking forward to do do it, do more. And but they also are aware that um, I am an anima- animation artist. So they put efforts to like look out for uh, this is the animation opportunity. Maybe if you are interested, we can put you through. Yeah. So, yeah. And but I feel we need to be more proactive. The artists should be more proactive. Yeah, like constantly updating or yeah, it is like every other month or also to communicate a little bit. That will help like, each other to know better because we even we are still like in two different countries and we never sing in in person. Yeah. I feel the more communication we can have with each other would be helpful to know each other. Yeah, I feel like that's good um, for other artists to hear. And uh, it seems like open communication is a big part of all of these relationships, whether it's other animators or, you know, your new agent. And I think it's also important... um, because, you know, maybe there's a misconception sometimes that there's going to be a relationship that's kind of like taking over these responsibilities or maybe doing things for you, whether it be a gallerist who's going to market and promote your work or maybe an agent who's going to find and seek out projects. Um, But realizing that you as the artist also have a lot of agency in that and it is, you know, our responsibility to um, continue to make new work, to put work out there, uh, to be open, you know, about our goals and that you're really working together um, as opposed to kind of handing off uh, certain responsibilities. Yep, exactly. And I feel as artists ourselves, then we have to do our part, that, like constantly creating new work and yeah, putting it out there. And the more people see it, then the faster we'll get discovered. Yeah, or get new projects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even like thinking back to what you had said earlier about doing all of this outreach early on to try and land animation mm-hmm. roles and that maybe not being really successful, um, it's still 
you know, maybe that method didn't quite work, but it was still through your own efforts and being proactive and just making new work and sharing it and putting it out there that did lead to opportunity. Um, so I feel like in a lot of ways, the onus is still on the artist to be, um, you know, kind of moving your work and career forward. Um, I'm wondering if there are other things that we haven't talked about yet, um, like other areas of your life or work, um, ways that you're spending your time that you would um, want to make sure to bring up and talk about too? Mm-hmm. The influence from my family. Yeah, I've, I had a pretty cool grandma that's mom's mom. Yeah, I call her Ama. And I basically live with Ama, uh, my grandma and grandpa until I was four. So a lot of um, habits like we will go to like the it's actually a sewing factory but um now it's abandoned and back then my grandpa would take us there in the morning or afternoon and we'll pick up those rows of sewing parts like inside inside the sewing sewing spool and take home to make toys and so i always remember like uh, making toys out of um, like our daily objects, like daily things, including recycled junk or bottles, like make our own cars and stuff. Yeah. And I feel that's kind of coming back to my work now, nowadays, because then now I would use recycled objects to make like, for example, animation as well. Yeah. And my dad, my dad as well, um, my dad is, uh, he runs his own coal mill factory in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And I secretly call him Prince Kong <laughs> because he just loves corn. And yeah, every day he dream about corn, <laughs> corn, everything. He liked corn snacks and everything. Yeah. So his, his way of um, building the factory also, it's, of course, it's more masculine because it's uh, like a factory factory. And you'll see parts of like steel and all kind of panels, like mostly metal, metal panels. Yeah. And as a child, I just remember this image of him like in the dark. But you don't see him, but you just hear the spark of the welding and just and things coming up. So... Yeah, and I, I feel that it's also yeah, part of the inspiration to me until nowadays. And of course, mom, like, she just, yeah, constantly just supporting, doesn't matter mm. what field that I went into, he just want me to be happy. And I feel mm-hmm. that it's so valuable, mm-hmm. yeah. To, to know that you had a family member who just trusts you so much and yeah, doesn't matter you make money today or not and they're just happy that you are happy. Yeah. Wow, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, there was something that I've, I was talking to Nicole about this recently, but it's been, I feel like it's been such a common theme coming up in, in my life and your story tells it again of just this idea of the power of positive reinforcement and how 
just having someone that supports you, someone that encourages you, someone that believes you, it gives you so much more freedom to experiment and play and to feel comfortable and confident pursuing that joy and pursuing that interest in creativity. And I just, I, I love hearing that. And it, it's always wonderful to hear what other people are like thinking about when they were kids and how it inspires their work. Cause I, yeah. I don't think about it as much myself, but when I hear someone else, I'm like, oh, you're right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I like recognize parallels in my own youth. And it's so beautiful to hear about, uh, you know, other people's early influences and when they, when that creativity really gets supported. Yeah. Although my dad wasn't, growing up, wasn't like a huge fan of me pursuing art, including in college. He is more of practical, like that's why he encouraged all the kids like to get the government job or to be a teacher, yeah, to get a st- stable position. But yeah, I, the more he against me being or pursuing art, the more I just just dive into like no I'm gonna do this (laughs) yeah so I feel in that way I am also um, strongly influenced by him because he said no Mm -hmm. and yeah the more he said no the more I do it (laughs) yeah both both supported and defiant (laughs) yeah 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 there there's nothing quite like someone telling you not to do something to encourage you to do it anyway (laughs) yes yes (laughs) Especially when you heard a bread. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I guess before we wrap it up, uh, where can listeners find your work and uh, follow you online? My website, it's called Monster Shaper. And it's um, a funny name because I, so, I'm so inspired of making monsters and draw monsters. So it's... Um, Shaper is spelled out as S-H-A-P-E-R, so monstershaper.com. And Instagram, it's just my name, so Tai Wu, T-A-I-L-I-W-U. And we can include links to that in our show notes, so people can just click on the link and see your work. Thank you. So recently, a good friend of mine is starting their own school, mm. and um, wow. there, are, there are a couple um, called... Abel and Katie, and they are fr- living in Spain, and their school is called Patata School. Patata is P-A-T-A-T-A, Patata School. And they share um, this cool, like really cool kids. It's called 101 Tips to Land Big Clients. Ooh. And I've, I'm reading it too, and it's like free download. You could just sign up in the, on their website to get download. They talk about their experience on how they land the project with like big clients like Google wow. or Spotify, and I find that like, super inspiring because I haven't get to work with those clients yet, and I would love to someday. Yeah, and there are also independent artists, um, like a collective. Mm-hmm. So when they needed the the, the studio to scale up, they also just call their buddies like hey like 10 people then they form a small team and finish the project yeah so i find that super inspiring and encourage everybody to take a look yeah thank you so much for sharing that i we didn't even ask one of our favorite questions is if you have any tools or resources and that that sounds like an amazing resource (laughs) 
Yeah. It is amazing for me too. Yeah. And it's super awesome. They, they、um, organize it so well and just share it out. Yeah. They, they said those are the things they wish they had when they started the business. So now they just shared it out with other like younger young people. Yeah, I love that other artists generously、yep. sharing information with other artists. That's yeah, <laughs> teamworks. Yeah, yeah, that's、yep. great. We love to see that. Yeah, we can definitely include a link to that.、Mm-hmm. Absolutely, awesome. Yeah, and now that we're at the end of the conversation, I'm remembering.、Mm-hmm. I think I saw your work maybe shared on Jealous Curator. I think. Maybe that's where、ah. I saw it first. That I also very thinking to send, to send an email to,、mm-hmm. <laughs> to Jella's curator, like, yeah, because I really like her,、um, the channel that she curates.、Oh, yeah,、mm-hmm. she also had her own podcast now, interviewing artists.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also one of my go-to podcast. Oh yeah,、awesome. so good. Did you、yeah. did you reach out to her? Or did she find you? I. Th- I think I reached out to her.、Oh, yeah, during、right. you know, the one of the one of the year that I was just so bored and yeah, like looking for ways to expand. So, yeah, oh, that's、definitely. awesome. I love that. Those cold calls work in well, some cases. In some cases, <laughs> mostly for artists, actually. Yeah, yeah. And there are also other podcasts that I would love to recommend too.、Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Sorry, so, give us all、What's、your recommendations. There is one.、Uh, you might find it very odd, but I love animals. So there was one called Thirty Animals that made made Earth smarter. It's a BBC BBC、um, podcast. Very relaxing and also a lot of knowledge. And every episode is so short, like thirty minutes, but then. Or shorter, ten, ten to thirty minutes, but so fun. Yeah, learn so much about different animal like octopus. Or, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's very good. And there is another one. It's called People Fixing the World. That's also a BBC um, B- BBC podcast. It kind of give me a broad um knowledge about. What's happening all over the world and what's people doing, like, and I had one bicycle ceramic series called Bike Shop, and a few stories that I actually hear from this podcast, and like for example, there is one it's called Lily Rider,、um, that it's a woman, woman for woman, uh, bride service in Bangladesh because of the. The sexual harassment during the public communicate pub commute. So, one husband and wife they started this business just for woman rider for woman. So you don't feel you don't feel like any dangerous and it's kind of like Lyft or Uber but on scooter, and also give woman a job because back over there I heard、um, from the news. It's pretty difficult for a female to be out doing like working or earning income, so I feel this is really good、um, for balancing out. Yeah, and next one you probably already listened to it. It's called、uh, Magic Lessons with Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah, and then of course creative pep talk. Yep, yep, another yep. excellent one. 
Yeah, and there's one. It's a word for illustrator, and it's called Three Point Perspective. That's also pretty fun. It's hosted by three teachers, and they are all like buddies first, and then um decided to do a podcast together. But they are all like super experienced teacher and also a picture book illustrators. So so I find that it's kind of fun because hear their them talking kind of make me miss me and my buddies like just hanging out and chatting, yeah. And also gain some insightful like knowledge in the field too, yeah. And last two the the R for your year by Jealous Curator, and the Lisa Condon sessions. That's also very soothing and helpful. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's an amazing list. We will include links to all of those in our show notes. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I love listen to podcasts, and of course. I listen to your podcast now too. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, there's so many artists you in- interviewed before that are like my heroes. Yeah. Oh, amazing! Like same. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that way about all the artists that we interview. I'm like, I am so excited to get to talk to them, <laughs> and we felt yeah. the same way about bringing you on. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad we can connect in this way, and I hope that we can stay in touch and just, you know, continue to, yeah, expand our creative community. If there's ever anything we can do uh, for you, let us know, and I feel like um, it's been really fun to hear, yeah, just about all of the ways that um, community and collaboration are such a part of your work as an animator, and that was something I I didn't necessarily expect, but it's been really exciting to hear about. Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully, in the near future, we can all collaborate together. Yes. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, Amanda was just out in San Francisco. I think we mentioned um, we, we held our very first live podcast recording and event, and we were talking mm-hmm. about other, um, other places, other cities we'd love to visit, and New York is definitely top of list for um, places we'd mm-hmm. love to host some more live events. So hopefully we'll make it out there soon. Awesome. And we can- Uh, meet up in person that would be amazing look forward to it yeah we'll keep you posted (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah thank you so much yeah it's been so fun That's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. Don't forget, if you're a fan of the podcast, please leave us a rating and review, submit to our listener spotlight, and if you want to support the podcast by making a tax-deductible donation, head over to our website, beyondthe.studio. There we go. I see it now. <laughs> I was like, when will it start? All right, I have to hit the button. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And oh, sorry. No worries, no worries. Yeah. I was just... And I said... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think there's a lag. <laughs> yeah, you go. don't worry. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi. Ah, biscuits.